Oral questions by members? Leader of the Official Opposition. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, the Premier's reckless decision to decriminalize hard drugs without the proper guardrails has exposed our communities to open drug use in public areas, in parks, beaches and playgrounds without any controls. And while simple activities like having a beer at your local public park or using a plastic straw is tightly regulated, the Premier's policy, policy allows completely uncontrolled consumption of lethal drugs like crystal meth, crack cocaine and fentanyl. Neighbourhoods as a result are being plagued by discarded drugs and drug paraphernalia, forcing families to worry about their children stumbling upon needles in parks, beaches and playgrounds. Now municipalities forced by this Premier's policy to try and manage this crisis alone are trying to introduce bylaws but face resistance from the provincial government and legal challenges from the Premier's friends at Pivot Legal Society. So my question to the Premier is this, since the Premier failed to put guardrails on his decriminalization experiment, will he at minimum support the bylaws for cities to protect children and families from exposure to drugs at parks, beaches and playgrounds? Minister for Mental Health and Addictions. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And I, and I thank, the, thank the member uh, for, the, for the question. Uh, I just want to go back to the work that was done, in fact, to prepare for uh, the process of decriminalization and the exemption that we received from Health Canada, which was uh, an answer to a call that had been made by municipalities, by public health officials, by people on the front lines, by clinicians, in order to work towards destigmatizing drug use so that we can better support people in accessing care and support. I want to remind all of us that that is the objective of decriminalization. That is what was discussed as the objective by the Select Standing Committee on Health, and that is what was supported by all parties of this House, with the ex exception of the BC Conservative Party, um, in, in moving forward with this. So uh, I want to, uh, to say that we, as we have committed to, to, to do, have been working with all of our partners who are re representative of, on the, represented on the table uh, that, that, it, that uh, contributed to the development of the application for the exemption um, and, and that, that continues to meet to uh, assist in the implementation and advise on the implementation, including the Union of BC Municipalities. And we work closely with municipalities on issues and challenges that they may be experiencing in their communities. And I've met recently with many municipalities and am uh, grateful for their collaboration as we move to uh, find solutions for their, for their concerns. Leader of the Official Opposition. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, the problem is there was a federal letter of requirements that had very specific things that were supposed to be in place called guardrails that none you have implemented. Mr. Speaker, it was the Premier's decision to plunge ahead with this decriminalization without the proper guardrails that were supposed to be in place that have exposed families to open drug use in beaches, parks and playgrounds without any controls whatsoever. Just this morning, this very morning, we see parents like Andrea Miller, whose daughter Everly found a packet of fentanyl at her elementary school playground in Nanaimo. 
No parent should have to live in fear for their child's life because they're going to stumble across drugs and dangerous drugs like fentanyl in their own playgrounds. No wonder that communities like Penticton, Kelowna, New Westminster, Kamloops and Campbell River are all trying to at least put some controls in place. And despite, again, the strict regulations that exist around enjoying a beer in our beaches and parks, this Premier and NDP's decriminalization policy allows uncontrolled use of hard drugs like crystal meth, crack cocaine and fentanyl in beaches, parks and playgrounds. So my question is a straightforward one. Will the Premier is the Premier going to continue siding with his own radical friends at Pivot Legal Society and continue to allow the open use of drugs in beaches, parks and playgrounds in British Columbia? Minister for Mental Health and Addictions. Well, um, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And really, that characterization, I would suggest, is just, is, is just simply wrong. Uh, quite, quite, quite wrong, in fact. Uh, with respect to the exemption that we received from Health Canada, our government has been working very hard uh, to ensure that we are uh, working and scaling up supports across the entire continuum when it comes to harm reduction, to treatment, to prevention, to education. And as part of our work leading up to, uh, to, de to decriminalization, we work to expand treatment and recovery. We engaged with stakeholders, with Indigenous partners, conducted education and outreach campaigns. We worked closely with frontline police officers. Um, and I'll remind folks that this, of course, has the support of the police chiefs of, uh, of Canada and local police chiefs. Uh, we had over uh, 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 9,000 police officers in the province engage in the uh, education uh, material, uh, activity and modules um, to uh, leading, up to, le leading up to decrim. So, uh, you know, I'm very grateful again for the work of um, uh, for the work of, of, of partners like school districts and municipalities who are, who are responding to um, to issues that may occur. I've met with municipalities. We'll continue to meet uh, to meet with municipalities to, to address concerns and want to remind British Columbians that the support that every single party in this house gave to the suite of measures, including decriminalization, in the standing committee report last year, members, is critical. Members, members, critical one person to has the floor. With a serious public health crisis that we all have an obligation to work towards solving in this province. Member for Kamloops, South Thompson. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, the, the uh, decriminalization measures that the uh, minister uh, speaks of that supposedly are doing such a great job of pre protecting the public, I can tell you that, uh, this much. Andrea Miller, whose daughter found a packet of fentanyl at an elementary school in Nanaimo, she sure doesn't think that uh, government's doing everything it can exactly. to put the guardrails in place exactly. that were promised. Now, communities, communities right across this province are trying to step up and fill the leadership void left by this Premier. Campbell River tried to regulate consumption in their community, only to be forced to abandon after the province, uh, through Island Health, frustrated their efforts and they faced a legal challenge from the Premier's Pivot Legal Society. Local governments in Penticton, Sycamus, Kelowna and Kamloops are all facing the exact same obstacle, opposition from this government, only this time it's through Interior Health. After Kamloops voted to bring in bylaw amendments that banned the use of illicit drugs in all public parks and facilities, guess what? 
They very promptly received a letter from Interior Health telling them to hold off, hold off on enacting bylaws for six months. So, and I quote, we, we can allow staff to monitor the situation to determine if there is, in fact, an increase in public drug use, end quote. Seriously. Mr. Speaker, we don't need six more months to see what's happening in our communities due to this government's policies. It's chaos and social disorder everywhere. Council sees that. The public sees that. It seems the only people that don't see that is the Premier and this government. Here, here. Mr. Speaker, the question is this. Why is the Premier siding with his old radical activist friends at Pivot Legal instead uh, and, and at the same time, obstructing local communities from banning the consumption of crystal meth, crack cocaine, or fentanyl in public spaces like parks and playgrounds. Here, here, here. Minister for Mental Health and Addictions. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. Uh, and I, 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 might, I, I might just say that you know, I am grateful for the somewhat more measured tone from some of our municipal colleagues with respect to a crisis that we all have a stake in working together to address. We are working with police officers, with, uh, with municipalities, with health authorities, with public health, with frontline service providers in order to address a public health emergency that, as we know, uh, results in the death of in excess of six people a day in this province. This is a very serious issue. And decriminalization was a very important step that was called for by police, by municipalities, by, front, by, by doctors, by public health, by frontline providers, in order as one tool in the toolbox, one tool in a very big toolbox. And it was a measure that was agreed to by all parties in this House, with the exception of the BC Cons uh, Conservative Party, in order to try and make progress here. We will continue Members. to work with municipalities. And order. in fact, I understand that the Sycamus uh, municipality bylaw has, has been passed. There has been engagement with the medical health officer, and that's what municipalities are doing. They are engaging appropriately with their medical health officers to determine what the local conditions are, what the local issues are, and what needs to be done. And in Sycamus, they now have a bylaw that I understand all parties are satisfied with. We will continue to do the work with municipalities to, to address concerns as they, as they arise on the ground on this very important public health issue that cuts across, frankly, all lines here. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Member for Kamloops South Thompson. Mr. Mr. Speaker, we will uh, set the record straight once again. We seem to have to do this every single day. The, to, to be very, very clear, we supported decriminalization as long as it was done in the context of the letter of, of requirements as provided by the federal government. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. Absent there being education, absent there being appropriate uh, uh, treatment and supports for people, absent there being public safety measures, absent there being those requirements in that letter, this is a reckless policy that this Premier and this government is hurling British Columbians into. Here, here. Now, what local governments are saying is that there should, at the very least, be similar regulations to ban the open consumption of crystal meth, crack cocaine, or fentanyl in parks, playgrounds, and other public spaces as there is for, for let's say, uh, alcohol. It's appalling that the Premier not only failed to implement such obvious and necessary safeguards, but is also actively preventing local governments from implementing those steps. Exactly. Kamloops Councillor Sarai says, and I quote, 
Every solution they come up with is to keep letting them use, and we keep supplying them with material to use. But the aftermath is played out on our city streets, in our city parks, and in our playgrounds. Exactly. That has to change. Exactly. We couldn't agree more with Councillor Sarai. And what Camelot wants is the decrim uh, uh, guardrails that were promised by this Premier, and they want leadership from this government. Kamloops Councillor Katie Newstater said, and I quote, what is the government's plan? Tell us. In the absence of that plan, you better believe that local decision makers are going to make decisions to hear the concerns of our community, end quote. So the question is this, how can the Premier justify his inaction, his obstruction, leaving our communities to face the dangerous consequences of his reckless policy of decriminalization without the guardrails and the public safety protections that he promised British Columbia? Minister for Mental Health and Addictions. Well, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And I, it, it is, it is uh, uh, surprising what a difference uh, a number of months make. Uh, when the Health Standing Committee reviewed... Members, the Minister listened to the question. I would respect the Minister and let her answer the question as she will. Minister. When the Select Standing Committee on Health reviewed this issue as part of uh, a number of recommendations uh, with respect to the, uh, to the toxic drug crisis uh, in our province. There was unanimity at that table. Unanimity at that table to support moving, por moving forward with this, with this, uh, with, with, with decriminalization and with our application for the exemption. Members, 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 please sit, member. Members, we will listen to the answer to the question. You do not have to agree with it, just as the, they will listen to the question, and they don't always have to agree with the premise of the question. Please have respect for this chamber and for the public whose work we are all supposed to be undertaking. Thank you. Member, please proceed. When the, uh, the Health Select Standing Committee reviewed this issue, all parties, all members at that table were unanimous in their support, with the exception of the, uh, of the BC Conservative Party. And when we talk about the work that we have done in order to prepare, we have invested in treatment and recovery programs. We have expanded the number of beds, hundreds of new treatment beds open. We have invested in community counselling. We have conducted outreach campaigns. We have worked with our frontline police officers to ensure that they are, uh, that they are, uh, that they are informed and educated. And we have had very excellent feedback, frankly, from those, all of those engagements, including our engagements with municipalities. Now, decriminalization does not change the ability of local governments to pass or amend their bylaws. Clearly, as we've seen, there is a bylaw been adopted in Sycamus. They Members, can I finish, perhaps, with the with the answer to the question no. that you've asked? No, it's disrespectful. Listen to the minister. Members. members, members, we have a way that we conduct question period. You ask a question, they answer the question. It's pretty basic. It's how it works. And so, if you want to respect the process and have the more opportunity to ask questions, I would ask you to listen to the response, even if you don't agree with it. Thank, thank, thank you, Mr. Speaker. 
uh, with respect to our engagement with municipalities, representatives of, of municipal governments, including from Kamloops, have par been participating in our decriminalization poor planning table since its inception. Municipalities have been there since the beginning. We're committed to continuing to work closely with municipal governments to address issues as they arise. And, uh, and, and we can see that this process is working as evidenced by the existence of the bylaw in Sycamus. So that, that, that is the process that we are undertaking and we commit to continuing to do that work with our partners in the municipalities. Leader of the Third Party. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. For the last two days, my colleague has raised issues related to regulation of industry in this province. It's an issue that has been raising flags for a long time. In 2016, in her report on compliance and enforcement in BC's mining industry, the Auditor General warned about regulatory capture as a risk in British Columbia, which is what occurs when the regulator created to act in the public interest, instead serves the interests of industry. At Mount Polly, BC had the largest mining disaster in Canadian history. We currently are home to the largest pollution of a watershed in North America in the Elk Valley. In my own community, a landowner quarried his property for 10 years without a mining permit. It took a community years to get the Ministry of Mines to step in and regulate this mining activity. And now on the same day that the former Premier stepped down as MLA, he announced that he had taken a board position with one of the largest mining companies in the world. This has raised serious and important questions about the relationship between elected officials and industry in this province. Through you, Honourable Speaker, to the Minister of Environment. Did the former Premier have conversations with him regarding whether to lobby the federal government not to bring the Elk Valley pollution issue to the International Joint Commission. Minister of Environment, Climate Change Strategies. Thank you very much, uh, Honourable Speaker. The member makes, I think, a very serious allegation because the member knows and was supportive of the uh, Lobbyist Act that was introduced by our government uh, very early upon taking office, that any uh, elected official that held a, a post in the Executive Council, any Deputy Minister is prohibited from lobbying members of the government for a period of two years. I would expect that the member has enough respect for the former Premier to understand that he, having been leader of a government that brought in such an important piece of legislation, would not violate it. The direct answer to your question is no. Leader, third party supplemental. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. I wasn't making allegations. I'm asking questions. In December of 2021, the federal government indicated that it was considering referring tex selenium pollution in the Elk Valley to the International Joint Commission, the IJC, because this pollution is such a long-standing issue. This company 
has had the largest environmental fine in Canadian history. In March of 2022, Tech wrote to the Federal Minister of Foreign Affairs requesting that pollution in the Elk Valley not be referred to the IJC. And because of that lobbying legislation that was brought in under the minority government, we know the lobbying that happened in this building. Over the following days, Tech lobbied this government several times. On April 12th, Tech lobbied the former Premier's Chief of Staff, the Deputy Ministers of the Ministry of Environment and the Ministry of Energy and Mines. The subject of their discussion was, quote, provincial U.S. transboundary matters. Two days later, according to FOI documents, the Minister of Environment and the former Minister of Energy and Mines wrote to the Federal Minister of Foreign Affairs, requesting that pollution from tax operations in the Elk Valley not be referred to the International Joint Commission. Tech's last meeting with the former Premier was on October 11, 2022. On November 18, the former Premier stepped down, and by December, he was discussing with Tech a board appointment with their spin-off company, Elk Valley Resources. A powerful corporation lobbied this government 47 times since January 2022. The government then lobbied on behalf of Tech to the federal government to not refer the issue of Tech's pollution of the Elk Valley to the International Joint Commission. My question for you, Honourable Speaker, is to the former Minister of Energy and Mines and the current ministry, Minister of Forests. Did the former Premier have conversations with him regarding whether to lobby the federal government not to bring Elk Valley pollution issue to the International Joint Commission? Minister of Environment and Climate Change Strategy. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Speaker. I've answered uh, the question, I thought, quite clearly uh, to the member. Uh, members of government regularly meet with lobbyists from corporations, with lobbyists from environmental organizations, and surprisingly, they don't always agree. But not surprisingly, members of government, whether they are members of cabinet, or deputy ministers, or ADMs, or executive directors, consider a whole range of important options, fact, and policy considerations in making decisions. In the case of tech and the water quality issues as a result of selenium, there has been ongoing discussion with the nations on either side of the border, with the corporation, with citizens in the area, with governments south of the border, as well as with academics south of the border about science-based water quality guidelines. Those conversations continue. We have recently set up an extremely transparent website to inform anyone who is interested on either side of the border of the uh, progression of efforts to effectively treat water quality, for which, uh, by uh, the near future, Tech will have spent $2 billion to address. It is true that their initial efforts were not adequate, and that's why there were escalating uh, financial penalties from both the federal government and the provincial government that were huge. Those penalties send a message. Our actions to address water quality send a message. 
We will continue working with people on both sides of the border as well as with uh, Tech and now Elk Valley to address water quality issues, to ensure uh, that the rights of the Tanaha nations member. are protected and the water quality in the area comes up to a standard that everybody expects. Member for Prince George Vale Mount. Thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. And I stand uh, to correct the record as the Deputy Chair of the Standing Committee on Health. And I want to make it absolutely clear to this Minister and members on that side of the House. First of all, she was not in the room during the deliberations. And I will be perfectly clear. We thought and made it very clear that the letter of requirements before moving ahead was absolutely essential. We raised those concerns. Our support was contingent on the fact that this government did what the federal government told them they had to do. And frankly, and this minister knows full well those requirements have not been met. In fact, one of those key requirements, one of those key requirements is to ensure that individuals who desire treatment or other supports can access them when needed. She knows full well that is simply not possible in the region that I live in or most regions of this province. This minister needs to correct the record and she needs to answer once and for all today, will she support municipalities? who want to make sure that there is not open drug use in parks and on beaches, yes or no? Minister for Mental Health and Addictions. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. And, uh, and, and again, thank, thank the member for the concern. And I'm grateful for the member's participation in the um, in, in the Select Standing Committee. With respect to the requirements of Health Canada, Health Canada granted the exemption. We, we are regularly in touch with Health Canada. Uh, they approve the exemption. They're aware of the work um, that, we are, that we are doing. And, and frankly, Honourable Speaker, we know that having inherited uh, a, a system, well, a lack of a system, a fragmented collection of services when we formed government. The work that we've been doing since 2017 is to build that system, an integrated system of mental health and addictions care in our health care system. We, in this budget, have allocated a billion dollars, an unprecedented amount of money to work to build up services across the entire continuum, from harm reduction to treatment and recovery to community counselling services to child and youth mental health, $75 million for expanding the Foundry system. That is the commitment that we are making, to build a system where a system did not exist. And that is work that we outlined. Members, members, order. This is your time. If you want more questions, you'll stop the interruptions and let the minister finish their question. Thank you, minister. In the context of an unrelenting public health emergency, that is the toxic drug crisis, we have to do all of the things at the same time. We are morally bound, ethically bound, to ensure that we work to keep people alive while we can, can, can connect them to supports and services. That is the critical task 
that was that it was explored by the uh, by, by the health standing committee that, that produced a very helpful set of recommendations that we are, are working on that form part of our plan that form that were part of the plan that our pathway to hope um, a 10-year mental health strategy was based on uh, in, in 2018. We will continue to work with municipalities. We will continue to do that work. We will continue to support municipalities and address any concerns that arise over the course of the implementation of our decriminalization program. Member for Surrey South. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. We'll take that as a no. The Premier's negligence in plunging ahead with decriminalization without doing the work or putting in the guardrails is unleashing chaos, and municipalities are left to fend for themselves. Municipalities like New Westminster and Kelowna say there needs to be provincial rules to avoid a patchwork of inconsistent responses to decriminalization, which creates confusion for the public and challenges for frontline enforcement. So why won't the Premier ban public use of high-risk drugs like crystal meth, crack cocaine and fentanyl, and give the police a tool to direct individuals to use harm reduction sites and into treatment? Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Well, thanks, thanks uh, very, very much, Honourable Speaker, and, and, and again, thank you to the to the member for the question. And of course, the the police are part have been part of this process since the beginning. And in part, the application for to Health Canada for decriminalization was generated in part as a response to a call from uh, police chiefs acro uh, across the country. And we work very closely with law enforcement. They are part of the, our core planning table. They, uh, they were part of the development of our application uh, for, uh, for the exemption to Health Canada, and they are part of the work that we're doing um, now. We are in constant contact with, uh, with law enforcement, as we are with municipalities and all of our other partners in, uh, in, this, in this important project. We had over 9,000 police officers take the, engage in the, in, in the education um, training are, are around decriminalization, and I'm very grateful for the important work that they're doing and working to connect people that they engage with um, to care and support. So this this work is ongoing. Um, uh, it, it is really kind of a taking a whole. It takes a sort of a whole village approach to um, to, to this work, and, and we're going to continue to do. We're going to continue to do this work in partnership with uh, with municipalities. Thank you. Member for Kamloops North Thompson. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, frankly, the answers uh, today have simply not been accurate from this minister on a wide range of fronts. The reality is, as we've heard with the letter's requirements, much of the work was not done. In fact, something as simple as a basic data set, what was supposed to be collected over the year preceding decriminalization, has not been done by this government either. Yet you're telling communities to wait six months to see what the impact is. What are they comparing it to? The work on the data set wasn't done. Exactly. So when things like that basic aren't done, it's no wonder that communities are desperately trying to find a way to pass bylaws to try to restrict the use in parks and playgrounds of things like fentanyl and crack cocaine to the same level that cigarettes and beer are banned. Now this minister earlier seemed to indicate that municipalities are free to pass those bylaws if they choose. Yet our understanding is those bylaws actually have to be signed off by the provincial government, by the Minister of Health, by the Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Can the Minister of Mental Health and Addictions state very clearly, for the record, are municipalities going to be allowed to pass these bylaws if they choose and the provincial government will not stand in their way?
Minister for Mental Health and Addictions. Thank you, uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. And you know, as I've, uh, as, as I think I've, I've said a, a number of times over the course of this discussion, uh, the the project of decriminalization is an important project that came as a response to a call from police, from municipalities, from frontline um, physicians, from our health authorities, from and was supported by all parties in this House with the exception of the BC Conservative Party. And that is we have met the we have met the, the requirements set out by Health Canada. We are in constant contact with, uh, with Health Canada with regard to the, the evolution of the project. And we work closely every day with municipalities. Members, order. And I will say I'm very grateful for the constructive conversations that I have had with many municipalities over the last couple of months as we work towards addressing uh, any concerns that may arise. We'll continue to do that work, Honourable Speaker. Well, ends question period.